Hello, this is Chris. And we're up to number three in the search for future seeing. The existence of anything, whether material or physical, is made up of events. History is just a succession of events. Events are events until human beings determine that they're otherwise. Then we add emotion. The birth and development of the earth constitute just a succession of events. Human life itself, from the first call to the last gasp, is made up of just one activity following another activity following another activity. We call those things events, and then we add emotion to determine whether those events are likeable or not likeable, pleasurable or not. The student of life has nothing to study but events, whether in history, in biology, in geology, in astronomy, in medicine, or in philosophy. Every procession, every process is just an event, and every fact is the progress made from a succession of occurrences called events. Nothing can happen without a cause. So much has happened since the universe became a fact that the succession seems endless and taking one point of view that's probably true. The order in which events occur is called uh, a succession. Just as the passing of a race from the parent to the son is called succession, the ge geological line between one country and the other is called also a succession. If man is able to be the single cause of a single fact and to thereby set in motion a single line of activities, they count themselves lucky. Yet this earth alone holds today so many threads of succession that they would form a network so complicated that no figures could represent their numbers or arrangement and therefore we'd never know whether our thought was original or not. Around us are facts in such volume that they cannot be counted, but not one of them was spontaneous. Each has had a cause. Creation, if the result of a flat or decree, had its cause in the act. But the power that made the decree must have had its cause. Some theorists argue that the first great cause was without cause. <laughs> uh, in other words, can anything start from nothing? And the answer is absolutely not. Humanity has nothing but the present to guide it. The past has no life except that it comes up to the present time with its succession of events. The future is based wholly on what is occurring in the present. These two laws are self-evident truths. Spontaneous beginnings, or those that are disconnected from any cause, have never occurred in any part of the universe. This fact must never be lost sight of. The fixed knowledge of the present day is based on what is now at hand, in one form or another. If it is in books, it is history, but its reliability must be proven. Nearly all history has an agreement of what has occurred in the past, much of which is probably unsustained by available knowledge. In other words, history is really not reality. History is what people have interpreted from it, trying to make sense of it. It is true that the present day may contain really a lot of knowledge and facts from which we may gather wealth, 
for use at any time we choose to take advantage of them. And all these facts may have been enacted in the past, but they remain as, as witnesses today and are living proof now. These coupled with known operations of nature and the universe make up the sum total of all knowledge. It is not our purpose at this stage of this work to trace back the events that have led up to the establishing of the earth and the human race. That's another job. We have begun the study with the realm of the faculties and have thus come into close touch with everyday life of human beings. It is natural, therefore, that we should keep close to that first realm as we diverge out into the useful fields of investigation. The law of cause and effect apply to everything. Nothing escapes. Your present day condition and circumstances are wholly due to those laws. It's too late to mend the past. You have said as a thousand millions of people have said constantly throughout life. If you could have your life to live over again, you would know what to do and how to do it. And everything would be different. Once in a while, a person might say, you are satisfied with what you have accomplished in life and have nothing to regret. But you don't mean it. There is no human being who would not gladly take advantage of experience to amend the errors that fill the years that have gone. And in other words, save time. Experience is said to be the greatest of all teachers, but it's the worst. It may be great in the sense of its severity, but it is cruel and almost wholly unnecessary in the majority of cases, the early nations did not believe that their enemies could invade and devastate their domains, and so they remained passive until the fatal day dawned. The conquering nation looked ahead and figured out what must happen to itself if a foreign foe were to stand on its shores and, and cross its borders, so it became the aggressor when it had developed strength sufficiency to give it victory. All of this was along the natural lines of succession of events, cause and effect. Passive peoples suffer. They seem to think that they must become victims of experience instead of its administrators. The foremost nations of today are heavily armed. They command respect, hence they hold peace in the world. In time of peace, prepare for war is no idle motto. The nation that it wakes for experience will get it. She will be lacking in her preparations and her enemies or rivals will take quick advantage of the fact. If it were a certainty that the US would not successfully resist the aggression of a foe, she would soon be involved in a war that would not cease. Not alone one enemy, but several would try to fight the US for what it has. What now cost a million dollars would be worth billions. So, the Russians, when they could not defend Moscow, burnt the city, and Napoleon lost his whole army. More soldiers perished in that campaign than died in all the Napoleonic wars and battles. This was a practical future seen by the Russians. They lost a city that was better in every way when it was rebuilt, but they lost no people, no soldiers, and their enemies suffered a defeat unparalleled in history.
in dealing out the processes of experience. It's better to let some other party that is more to blame suffer from the hardships of teachings of experience. In this line, the definition of experience is the art of finding out things after they have happened. This is the reverse of good judgment. If you put $10 in bills into a fire to see if it will burn, you have acquired knowledge, all right, although you've just lost $10 unnecessarily. In most cases, it takes a whole lifetime, or a lot of it, that holds the best years of existence to find out whether a general course of conduct in business or otherwise is best or not. Thousands of people find out they are not, they are in the wrong profession, but they are halfway through life at the time they discover it. Millions of people learn that they are engaged in business careers of the kind that did not best suit their abilities. To correct these errors of choosing, people have consulted all sorts of soothsayers and for advice about the future just as generals in the golden centuries consulted oracles for the light of what was ahead in battle. It is the one universal cry for light, the demand for future seeing, that makes this study the greatest and most important in human existence. But oracles could not tell the future, nor have, they, nor have uh, others had much success in hitting the truth of what it is best to do. The bumps on a man's head concur occasionally in the best course to be pursued in the coming years, but 90% of them have failed. In fact, we know of millions and millions of people that have been ruined by the advice of, of guidance that has come from a very emotional space, guesswork. This matter has been treated and analysed in many of my podcasts in the past. There are reasons other than the shapes of the head that determine the future that a person has in store. It's the law of cause and effect. And it is much more scientific than fortune telling. Do not wait for experience and do not seek the advice of fortune tellers. One will make life a series of bumps and failures and the other will lead you off at angles and cause you a great waste. Every person in this world should train themselves to depend on themselves as far as possible. Society is based on the interdependence of people, but in this interdependence, there is a line that should be sharply drawn in favour of yourself. Selfishness is a trait that has not been cultivated into existence, but is taught all of life for its own good. To be selfish, as noble as generous, one makes you strong, And the other makes you good. It is so much easier to be generous if you are a selfish person than it is to be nothing but generous. The former trait builds and garners, the latter distributes. From the beginning of the human race, the greatest of all traits is that of building, not merely a house, but property and fortune. This does not imply the inordinate thirst for accumulation, nor the shuttering in of one's own character for the sake of gain. It is only the builder that has any place in the plan of life. There are three great laws in the universe, attraction, repulsion and arrangement. 
Attraction brings people and material together, repulsion distributes them, and arrangement gives them form and order. The ultimate purpose of this life is to, is to so arrange all things that form shall live in the mildest of form. So what are we saying? We get three aspects of the universe. Attraction, repulsion and arrangement. Some people are obsessed with attraction but can't let it go and therefore become bound. Some people are are obsessed with change, repulsion. And some people are trying to rearrange things for the purpose of pleasure. And this is not necessarily the wisest course to follow. Therefore, it's a suggestion of this work and in future seeing to cultivate selfishness in the highest and best degree. Make yourself a power in your own day, if not the world. Work out your own destiny. Be an architect of your own life on earth. Learn self-reliance. Keep holy within the bounds of right dealings with others. And then you will be able to show a splendid generosity with the things that your selfishness has accumulated. Do not be a vault. Nature has no use for weaklings. She abhors it and never pities it. She treats weakness in the most cruel manner. Humanity did not make nature and has no control over nature, nor its purpose. We are all held under the sway in countless ways. Existence on this planet is one unyielding succession of suffering set in motion by nature and persisted in against all efforts to abate them. They will continue until humanity, not as a family, but as individuals will learn the lesson of strength. There must be strength of human character, strength of human activities, strength of human purpose. You may not believe it, but it is a fact that nature has more regard and admiration for the fighting uh, entrepreneur who beats their competition than she has for the well-intentioned weak human being who does nothing but enjoy their life. Nature herself is the embodiment of power. She teaches it in her thunder tones and in her lightning, in her roaring gales and uplifting waters, and her giant trees and tumbling mountains, in her glaciers that have that move continents in it. Everywhere she shows strength. Human beings must increase their general power and lines of great achievement, creating giant buildings, giant boats and giant enterprises, but above all, we must establish our own self-dependence if we wish to share the favours of governing material strength. We, people who are weak in purpose become weak in everything else. If there's not a vigorous strength of action, there is a waiting penalty. History cannot be wrong when it reach, recites the wars of of carnage, of barbarism, of pillage and torture that all humanity has been compelled to pass through from the beginning of time. No tribe, no family, no people, no nation has escaped it. There's a period in early centuries when actually parents <laughs> kill their own children rather than permit them to grow up 
to be prey of wicked masters and foreign invaders who constantly threaten. So it's tough. And it's, there's no shortcuts around this topic is to say that strength, whether it was once upon a time physical strength, but now could be called mental or commitment or conviction strength or uh, strength of purpose, uh, there is no getting around the fact that without it, we suffer. The first step towards strength is personal dependence or the ability to depend almost solely on oneself. It's not the same as personal independence as that excludes the use of the activities and uses with other people. You must learn to, to work with and use others. They are made for your use. And you have to own this if you want to be an entrepreneur or a business leader. People work for you, you're using them. Be dependent, but not independent. Dependent on yourself, almost wholly as far as power or purpose is concerned, and dependent on the aid that you can compel others to give you. That's the definition of mastery. This is Chris. You have a beautiful day. Bye for now.